But before I get going, um, no, there's nothing wrong with your television set. I do have a double here today. My twin brother Tom is here, and we've made it easy on everyone this time. He's got a little bit more on the top of his head hair-wise. I've got a little bit more on the bottom of my head hair-wise, so it's a little bit more distinguishable. But he's out visiting us for a little bit, and it is a real treat. Uh, Uncle Tom is one of my family's favorite people, and so we're just so happy to have him around. And, uh, and I told him before we came to church this morning that I respect him every time he comes, because there is this certain face that people make when they get it, that the twin is around. Um, sometimes it's from seeing the twin, and sometimes it's from hearing, because Tom and I, our faces are more dissimilar than our voices, and so the kids can't tell who's talking. And Tom was just saying it's really cool because he feels like he's impersonating a police officer whenever he's talking to the kids because they, they just like respond naturally to that voice, which is funny. But uh, I re- really respect him coming out and enduring just the event of having all these people who are used to me and then him being here. And uh, Tom, I do want to say as well that... Um, we love you, and I love you with my whole heart, and I always will, and you really are one of my favorite people ever, period. End of sentence, end of paragraph. End of story. Well, not end of story yet, but a few more years. All right, so we're going to be reading about Jesus and, um, and a teaching he did that involved, was kind of about farming but it's not about farming. It's about how we respond to what Jesus says. And it's called the parable of the sower. And I want to read this from Luke chapter 8. And it's in part an encouragement for us this year to renew our commitment to the word of God and to being in it and to be reading it and to be believing it as a way of living our lives the way God wants us to. And I'll try to make that case more as we go on. But let's read this, starting in verse 4 of chapter 8. These are the very words of God. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, he fell along, if some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on a rock, and as it grew up, It withered away because it had no moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secret. The secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of Christmas. I mean life. 
and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who hear, so who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you so much for preserving Jesus' words in a way that they're just really dependable. Father, thank you so much that Jesus is alive. And even though he's alive, his words are spiritual and powerful in such a way that reading them is hearing from him. It's different than a lot of other communication. It's better. So, Father, I pray that you would help me serve your word and help me bring your word to life to us. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us to have that good soil today, that your word would fall on it and that we would hold fast to it with a good and honest heart and that it would produce fruit for your glory and because of your great love for us in Christ, I ask these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can you imagine how weird it would have seemed if you were in Jesus's day and you knew he was famous because Jesus was famous. He got famous pretty quick. He was doing some miracles and he was saying controversial things. He was like one of those guys on YouTube who overnight gains 10 million followers because they said something crazy and the person they said it about got upset and started fighting with them. He, he was kind of like that. He was controversial, but he was good and he impacted people's lives for the good. When they came to him, he helped them. He would heal them. He would feed them sometimes. And so he was very famous. But just imagine how weird it would be to come to the conference that Jesus was holding and he just stands up and he says, so there's this guy out farming and all these different things happened and some of this, most of the seed died, but some of it lived. Okay, get it? I'm out of here. That's the sermon. Right? That's how weird it would be. You'd be like, I drove out here. I warmed up my car for this. And it's good to remind us of ourselves because when, in the next few verses, Jesus unpacks what he was talking about, that was to a small crowd. That was just to his disciples. It could have been as few as the 12 disciples. It could have been more because he had 70s and smaller groups. But he unpacked it to the small group. But to everybody else, they were just kind of like, huh? Or at least they had the opportunity to just say, huh? That's weird. Birds eat some seeds. Some seeds wither on the rocks. Some seeds get choked out by weeds. Some seeds actually produce a fruit. What's a seed supposed to do? Yeah. So we're past Christmas, so now everyone's starting to think about their garden again. We're done with winter, right? It's already, now it's in overtime. Now it's just like referee's time. We're done with this. Too bad we still have another eight months to go before it's going to warm up. Well, that's the point of seeds. The point of seeds is to bear fruit. And so if you're a farmer or you're a gardener, you don't actually want the birds to eat your seeds. You don't actually want the birds or the rocks to make your seed useless because it just dries out. You don't actually want the weeds 
to choke out the fruit. That's what you want. And I think that it's good to start there and just say, that's what God wants and that's what we want. Does anybody here want their life to be a waste? Right? Nobody does. And yet it still happens. Right? And it's sad. Nobody grows up saying, I want to... Uh, becoming an addict when I grow up. I, nobody grows up saying I want to be an alcoholic. Nobody grows up saying I want to uh, kill somebody in anger one day. Nobody grows up saying that. And yet, the reality is, is that these things happen. And so Jesus is bringing us to think about life in this way and try to think again, okay, the reason I'm here is to bear fruit to God. The reason I'm here is to hear God's word and respond in a way that is pleasing to the Lord and not to waste my life. Amen? And jumping to the end, I think it's this, one of the reasons I'm dealing with this. There's always a reason, right? I always have a reason. Sometimes I tell you, sometimes I don't. The thing that shocks me about this parable is that Jesus can talk to a crowd of people and say to them, the thing that determines whether or not your life will bear fruit or be a waste is what you do with what I'm saying. That's crazy. And that's not how we live. Amen? And I'm talking about the us-us, not the other us. This is, you know, there's always a, there's always a scan. I get, I get upset at the word or scandalized. I'm like, I gotta preach about this. This is terrible. I have to talk about this. This is the thing. How can Jesus say to everyone, the thing that will determine whether or not your life, my life, bears fruit or is eaten by the devil or is withered on the rock or is choked by life is how I respond to the word of God. That's crazy. But for me, the question isn't whether or not I think it's crazy. The question is, is it true? The question isn't whether or not really how I emotionally respond to it or whether I celebrated it or got scandalized by it. Is it true? And it's crazy that the Son of God can say to this crowd of people, what you do with my word is what matters for your whole life. <laughs> what about my taxes? What about my New Year's resolutions? I, I, I was a little bit disappointed that Elmer was trashing New Year's resolutions during, during communion, t- saying they don't work. I don't want to hear they don't work. I got my New Year's resolutions all planned out, and they are great resolutions. And I'm going to start them any day. Because, you know, even though January was a few days ago, the kids are still home from school, and my brother's out, so I can't get on them then. And then I'm going to need a week or two to recover from the holidays. And so the resolutions, you can't start it when you're trying to recover from the holidays. You don't want to start resolutions when you're going to do that. And then we're going to be moving at the church, and so that's going to be very, very time-consuming. And so I don't want to plan on starting my resolutions during that time, because then that's just sabotaging the success of it, right? And so... So when I get started on those rezos, it's going to be so good. I just don't want to mess it up by starting too soon. And then Elmer says it's not going to help anyways. Ah! 
stop trying to make me deal with reality, Elmer. I had a perfectly good mind snake going here. (sighs) Different responses according to this parable about what happens when the word of God comes to Robert Balfour. The first, he says, it says, it could be like a seed going on a beaten path and the birds just come and eat it. And so there's this, you got to remember, Jesus is talking to the ancient world, the ancient Near East. They didn't pave roads by pouring down asphalt or things or concrete. Sometimes they might put a cobblestone down, but most of the paths in this neighborhood or this area of the world would just be where everybody went. That was the path. Because grass doesn't grow faster than the damage you do by walking on it regularly. You know, you know what I mean? Like... Um, And so wherever people regularly walked, that area would get pounded down and the grass couldn't grow and it would get baked by the sun instead of kept loose by the roots that would gather the moisture. So it just got beaten down. So when the seed hit it, it wouldn't go into it. It would just sit there. And then the birds who are always looking for a quick, easy meal would just come and eat it and say thank you to the sower and nothing good happened. And Jesus said that that first kind of heart, that's kind of hard and the seed doesn't go anywhere with it, it gets... It gets swallowed up by, he says, the devil. And what's interesting is he sees his speech as a kind of spiritual warfare or spiritual conflict. Right off the bat, it isn't just an intellectual exercise. It isn't just about testing facts. There are forces beyond just biology or uh, intellectualism going on when God's word is being heard or spoken or preached or whatever. There's more going on. It's a spiritual event. And humanity has a spiritual enemy that wants to rob us right away from it. Now, we could get into a habit of just blaming the devil for everything that goes wrong, but what's the actual problem? The actual problem isn't the devil eating the seed. The actual problem is the hard heart that the seed lands on. So the question is, is your heart going to be hard to God? Is my heart going to be hard to God? I, I am afraid, honestly, before the Lord in prayer of having a hard heart before the Lord. This is part of, I think, having a healthy fear of the Lord. Oh God, please don't let me have a hard heart before you that you're talking and I can't hear. Save me from that. The next thing he talks about is seed that falls on the rock. And this describes um, people who at at the beginning say, yay, this is great. Jesus loves me. I get saved. Um, He's the Savior. This is wonderful. But then a time of suffering comes, a time of testing. Something hard happens, and they fall away. And one of the reasons I'm thinking about this a lot for myself is because it is my habit to forget God's word when I am suffering. That's, that's normal for me. Anybody else like that? Don't, no, no, don't put it up your hand. It's not, people, someone's going to notice. Don't be publicly humble. Stop it. Just me. That's, that's normal for me. And so I'm thinking about the word and how from Jesus' perspective, the point of the word is actually not to be forgotten during hard times, but actually to be held on to through hard times. That's the point. And it reminds me of a snow shovel. Anybody used any of these recently? Anybody worried right now? I've seen Rob try to do athletic things. This could get bad. It's pretty messy. Though, gratefully, we haven't had to use this this much. Um, so I don't know how that impacts spring, but we haven't had a ton of snow. 
But this is a snow shovel, and it's kind of meant for moving snow, right? And if you have a great driveway like at the church house over there where they've just got this humongous flat pad of concrete, it actually can be pretty nice to move snow off the driveway with this. But this is the point. And so if you met somebody who had a shovel like this and they're out there in the summer, how much snow do you get in the summer? Well, around here you could get a lot because we live in the craziest province in the world. But usually you don't get that much during the summer. And you see somebody out there just standing in their driveway with their snow shovel and they're just like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Love you, Chevy. Oh, yeah. Look at that driveway. There's no snow. I love you, Chevy. Good boy. And they're just out there regularly on their driveway. Good job, Chevy. Yeah, and then September hits, October hits, November, and then November hits, and it's the flurry. Right? Where the wind comes and it hits your house in just the right way to go around the building and pile up all on your driveway. So that when you wake up in the morning, you have snow in your driveway. And then you go out there with your shovel and you're just like, shovel, you failed me. I bought you so that I wouldn't have snow on my driveway. You failed me. I- I'm out of here, shovey. I'm taking you back to Canadian Tire because they have that great return policy and you can return anything at any time for any reason. Thank you, Canadian Tire. If you saw somebody doing it, you'd be like, you don't, that's the whole point of a shovel is for when it snows. Right? Okay. The whole point of Jesus' words is to get you through the hard times. Is to find out that it's true during the hard times. Is to be held onto during the hard times. That's the point of Jesus speaking. Because we live in a broken world. This is one of the the hard truths, but the true truths that Jesus taught us is that the whole universe is broken. Nothing works the way it was supposed to. Not our hearts, not our minds, not our bodies, not our relationships, not our families, not our churches, not our finances. There isn't anything in the universe that works the way God originally made it to. And all the breaking is painful. All the brokenness is painful. And it was broken because of sin. It was broken because our first parents didn't want to submit to the word of God, but wanted to be independent from it, and everything got wrecked. And all the brokenness is painful. And your average Canadian thinks, if I'm suffering, I get to do whatever I want to feel better. The average Canadian thinks, if I'm hurting, I therefore have a right to do whatever I need to do in order to feel better. That's seed on the rock. A Christian thinks, hurting is normal. I need to trust the word of God. A Christian thinks, suffering is normal. I need to hold fast to what Jesus has said. Snow on your driveway is regular January. I need to get out there with the shovel of the Spirit and clean this thing up. Clear? Third kind of soil is one that has weeds in it. I hate weeds. I hate them. 
I'm going to get my hate on a little bit here. So sorry if this is a dark tone. We can edit this out on the internet, or you can just find a happy place right now. You can do whatever you want. I hate weeds. I hate the fact that dandelions, you can pick them out of the ground, and there's 18 fully bloomed ones the next day, even though you dug out the root. It doesn't matter if you dug out the root. They, they come back. I, you, and then you like mow them when they haven't, when they're still yellow, you mow them down. And then the next morning they've already gone into seed and blown everywhere. And it's like, was I asleep for a month? Was this a time-lapse photography event? How did this physically happen? And that's just dandelions on a lawn. And then somebody goes and decides that Roundup is no good. There's still part three. I don't care how many eagles have to die. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's wrong. Sorry. Don't you hate weeds? They grow faster and better than everything you want to be there. And if you leave them there, they choke out what you need to be in your garden or what you want to be in your rock garden or the grass that you want to be running on instead of that pokey, thistly stuff that your kids buckle over when they step on in their bare feet. And you warned them. <laughs> as for those seeds that fell amongst the thorns, they are those that hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. The word of God in their hearts is constantly in competition with other things. And this, this, is, this is me as well. I just get to preach to myself. What are you all doing here? This is a message for Robert Balfour. I never invited any of you. What are we doing? Oh, it's Sunday morning, right? Um, a life choked by cares and riches and pleasures of life. And one of the things that's interesting about this scenario is that the riches and pleasures in life aren't necessarily bad things or, or even not gifts from the Lord. I mean, God the Father is the most generous being ever. And he loves to give good gifts to his kids. He loves to give things. <laughs> Plane tickets to Rwanda or a vehicle so you don't have to hoof it to church in the middle of negative 35 winter. Or a bike. Or whatever. He loves to give good gifts. And he even, he invented pleasure. He invented the sweetness of food. We were introduced last night to a meal of homemade gnocchi with browned buttered sage. That was a pleasure (laughs) that I'm not going to apologize to anybody for. And it ultimately comes from the Lord who invented this stuff. And yet, because of our hearts, again, it's the, it's the soil that's the issue, the good things of life, friends, family, people, jobs, churches, all this stuff can be in competition for our full devotion to Jesus' word and being willing to hold fast to him and be obedient to him and trust in his promises. And, and, I, and I think sometimes that this is like... the the Calvary challenge. There is so much good stuff happening in all of your lives that it's a danger (laughs) to your walk with God. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe that's not you. That's not you. I was talking about somebody else. You dodged a bullet. 
But I think this is it. And it's weird. It's like the more technology we get, it doesn't actually make any of our lives simpler. It just, we, we become empowered to do more stuff. Is there anybody who didn't even have a spare minute for over holidays? Everything was booked, everything. And even when you had a down minute, I got 18 relationships to follow up with on Facebook. That soil with the thorns, none of it's bad. Unless it's killing you. Crazy. And so it's almost like Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to this great maturity. I'm calling you to live this life amongst cares and amongst riches and amongst pleasures where you have to find the way to make sure that my word is being held fast to with a good and honest heart. And I don't think the cares are going to go away. I don't think the riches are going to go away. I don't think the pleasures are going to go away. Because every few months it's another chocolate bar bonanza at Superstore. It's like, what's the next one? Mother's Day is coming up or Valentine's. Oh my goodness. Chocolate. <laughs> Finally, he talks about this good soil that bears fruit. And it's, I, I just, I love how Jesus taught you that you hold fast to his words in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And the thing that really encourages me here is this. I like the, the patience part. I do really try to be in God's word every day. It doesn't happen. I have so little expectation for any one encounter with Jesus' word to do anything. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, I don't expect every single time I read the Bible for it to be fireworks, for it to be Avengers Endgame. I don't expect it to be a major event. Because that's not what's supposed to happen. It's supposed to be held fast to his patience. And so I just, you're just in there, listening to Jesus, in there, listening to Jesus, in there, listening to Jesus, in there, listening to Jesus. And one of the reasons I love this call to this lifestyle about just wanting Jesus to talk to you as you open the word and open the word is that I'm, I feel like I'm not smart enough to actually do my life. Okay, I, I'm not smart enough to help address Calvary Chapel's issues. I'm not smart enough to pastor people. I'm not smart enough to even figure out parenting. I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I can do any of this stuff. I'm, I'm really not good at a lot of things. What's Jesus' promise? If I'm holding on to his word with patience, he makes the fruit. I need simple. I'm a kiss pastor. I'm, keep it simple, stupid. I'm, yeah, that's me. I, I just need a life, that the kind of life Jesus calls you. Just hold on to his word with patience. Just don't stop. Boom, boom, believe in I Just like, God can use anybody. And I just proved it. I mean this. I regularly have no clue what to do. My confidence is in the fact that if I'm holding on to Jesus' promises, if I'm trying to obey what he said in the moment to the best of my ability, he will make the fruit. Why? Because Christ is king. 
And I'm trying to get my brain out of this way of looking at the world where everything depends on the laws of physics and everything depends on the laws of biology and everything depends on economics. I'm trying to obey Christ who submits to no one but the Father. He doesn't need anything in order to make me bear fruit. He doesn't need anything in order for me to be able to be helpful to somebody. He can do it because he's the king. My job is to obey and believe. My job is to be holding fast to his word. It's his job to make the fruit. That really simplifies my life. Amen? Does that make any sense? I, I, I'm still just beginning to do this. Let's go back a few things. We all together have so many pressures and stressors and things that make us afraid. And most of us have no clue what to do about it. True? What does Jesus say you're supposed to do? Receive his word and hold fast to it so that he will produce fruit in your situation. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. We all need to go Princess Leia and strangle that Yabba the Hutt. I went there. Yeah, but the hut is not a good guy. Yeah, but the hut is a slug lord that needs to get blowed up. No more yabbats. Sorry. I do regret that one. A little bit. So now every time you watch Return of the Jedi, you'll be thinking, I should be holding fast to the word right now. (laughs) But do you hear me? Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. What does he want from us? He wants us to be holding on to his promises and believing his word with obedience and trusting him to make the fruit. Which is way less stressful than us feeling like we need to get it all done when we don't even know how to start. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I'm done. If you want to respond to this, I would just encourage you to renew again a life of regularly being in the Word. And if even to make it simple, you just spent your time in the Gospels for a long time, just hearing Jesus, hearing Jesus, hearing Jesus, that would not be a mistake by any means. Just, Just be with the Lord. And if you want to hold on to his word and be good soil, that's most of the battle. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your kindness. Father, I thank you that even as you warn us about how life really works and that there's ways for things to go wrong, in Christ, your attitude towards us is just grace. You're the great forgiver. Father, I pray that you would touch my life, Lord, as I've been really honest about many, many of my struggles that are genuine struggles and failures. God, I want to be someone who you think is holding on to your word with a good heart. And Father, would you help each one of us? Father, would you help each one of us? Would you be speaking to us through your words? Would you make the fruit? And would you help us to make the wise choices to be holding on to your word well? In Jesus' mighty name.